Such a wonderful thing. The Bible says he's the prince of peace. And being with him is experiencing peace. Amen. Not worried about a thing. Amen. Your flesh make you concerned. But the spirit of God says don't worry. Your flesh will make you concerned. Because anytime we get moved out of our routine, it's never comfortable. And so we have been moved, all of us, out of our routine. But that's what it takes for change to really take place in your life. And I'm always looking for the silver lining in anything. And a lot of times we said, man, I want to change. I want to be a better Christian. I want to do this right. I want to do that right. I want to you know, give God everything I have to give him so he can work in my life. And that will never happen until we get out of our routine, till till our routine is interrupted. And uh, we must willfully, willingly interrupt our routine if we want to see change, especially in the Lord, take place in our life. So this could be a good thing. This could be a good thing. You know, uh, for a good little while, listen to this, for a good little while throughout our organization and other organizations has done this where we um, establish what we call small groups. And um, I've been talking about small groups, you know, just with other men of God since we started this church. And small groups are really important. And one of the reasons why we have talked about small groups over the years um, don't want to scare you. Well, you shouldn't be scared about anything at this point. But one of the reasons why we talked about small groups over the years is because we understand that there could come a time where the political leader and law enforcement determine that the church can only uh, preach certain things. They're going to try to put controls on what we can and can't preach. And then they really uh, would try to put control on um, uh, meeting space. And so if that becomes a reality at some point in time before the Lord return, then how would we function? And so we've been talking about small groups for a long time. And small groups usually will be um, groups, one church just having smaller groups in homes, having churches in homes and not necessarily in a building. So every um, there will be homes that, you know, will be in certain areas where people will know um, that's where I meet because that's closest to my home. And so all throughout communities and, and throughout the neighborhoods, uh, there will be small groups, people from your church meeting and teaching the same lesson. It's like being in Bible study. And like tonight, we're talking about the same thing we talked about last week because it's a series, Authority of the Word of God. Tonight, we're going to talk about the instructions of God's Word, the instructions of God's Word. And so if we were doing small groups, then everyone from the small group, their leaders in the small groups, Everyone would be teaching the same lesson on the instructions of God's word. And so that's what small groups are about. And those are never outdated. Um, as a matter of fact, that's kind of how it works in a lot of places in our foreign country where Christianity cannot be practiced outwardly. So this is going on overseas and even in our country, small groups. And so it's important to understand that, you know, there are ideas and... Um, 
and, and ways that God can do things. But here, here's where the challenge comes in. We have to become really serious about this, that we can say, what do we have to do? And then when you get your instructions, marching orders, you get it done. Um, that's how we were 25 years ago. Tell us what we need to do. This is what the congregation said pretty much to the pastors. 25 years, 30 years ago, the congregations would be like, tell us what you need. And when the preacher preached what needs to be done, it got done. Nowadays, everybody is conservative, just doing their own thing and, you know, just kind of, you know, slide in and kind of just nonchalantly live for God. And so when you do that, it's very difficult to establish certain patterns that is great for the church. So something to think about, something to chew on, that it would be great if we get to a place that as we grow, and a lot of churches grow probably better that way with small groups, because uh, the way our world is set up nowadays, people feel better coming to someone's home and talk casually about the word of God as opposed to coming to a place of formal Christian direction and, and, and how we interact. So some people um, find it a little bit more challenging to come in this way. Then you have other people that are saying, no, I don't want anyone in my home. So it's a lot of different things that's going on with small groups, but it's something to think about because there could come a time where we would be fully engaged in having small groups throughout our communities. So tonight, the authority of God's word, and we will talk directly about the instructions of God's words or God's word. So we'll go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 7, verse number 8. Joshua chapter 1. The word of the Lord says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Somebody say, all the law. Which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse number 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we said we'll talk tonight a little about the instruction, the instructions of the of God's word. The instructions of God's word. That's our lesson that we will kind of work with tonight. What is the will of God? Uh, what is the will of God? Uh, oftentimes, Christians and non-Christians alike will ask that question. What is the will of God? The will of God is in the word of God. The will of God is in the word of God. So if you want to know what the will of God is, you're going to have to read his word. Oftentimes we ask the question, what is the will of God? And we think the will of God come 
from some other place other than the word of God. We want God to come by and or this angel to sit by us and we get this personal special revelation of the will of God. But the will of God will be found in the word of God. The will of God is something you must do. The will of God is that you do what the Bible teaches you must to do to be saved. Moses and Paul spoke of God's will as that which is expressed in God's word. And they said the word is near and knowable. The word is near and knowable. Can I mess with you a little bit and give you some truth about what that is really saying? I can say it this way. God is near and knowable. God is, if the word is near and knowable, then God is near and knowable. Right? For him and his word is synonymous. It's no different. And so God is near and knowable. That's a challenge because for some reason we think God is not knowable. We can't know him. Some people's reasoning for not being as strict or, or committed to, to following and obeying God, the reason behind that is because they say, how can you even know God? And, 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 and how can you know where God is? And so they draw the conclusion of saying, well, God will make himself known. God will do what he's going to do because you can't really know God. That's not true. It's a cop out for not knowing God and not drawing near to God because we can know God and we can draw near to God. So the word of God is near and knowable. We do not need a cruise to heights nor depths to find out what God wants us to do. The will of God is expressed in the Bible. For every passage of scripture that may seem complicated or open to various interpretations, you know in your heart of hearts that there are thousand more that are plain as day. Many applications but only one sane interpretation. What are you saying, preacher? A lot of times we come to the church or we give our life, quote unquote, to the Lord to be saved. And all of a sudden we want to know the deep things. We, we like to want to know the deep things of God when right before us there are some clear, understood Things that God is showing us in his scripture and we just want to jump over those things because we want to know the deep things. And God wants us to understand that his will is for us to do, but a lot of what God said his will is, it's really plain and it ain't deep. But we want God to be deep. You know, brother, I was studying the scripture. I just want to say, brother, the Bible says we shouldn't lie. When last time he told a lie? 
Brother, the word says we should be angry but sin not. When the last time you got angry and you sinned because of how you acted? Are we, are we doing those? Then leave the deep things alone. Because I know how God operate. And here is how God operate. He will never show you the deep things until you start doing the little things. And so we get twisted in the wind and we just walk around in circles when we skip over the real simple things of God and trying to learn the deep things. When it comes to the clarity of scripture on essential issues like the way of salvation or the Christian life, one might as well stare into the sun and debate whether or not it is luminous or merely bright. Can you imagine you and someone standing out in the sun and they're saying it's bright and you're saying it's luminous? Same thing. What are you arguing about? The author of Hebrews quoted from scripture, as he often did, he always attributed the scripture to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 3 and 7. What is there for us to know of God's will? The spirit through Moses, the prophets, and the apostles has told us and is still telling us today, what is the will of God? How has God's word spoken to you and help you in times of difficult decisions? We always have decisions that are difficult. Do we just do what we want or do we seek God for him to give us direction during the times of difficult decisions? It must be said again, God's will for you is primarily knowable through a prayerful reading and retention of Scripture. God's will for you is primarily knowable through a prayerful reading and retention of Scripture. That's what most preachers do if they're worth their salt. They read the word of God all the time. They're praying and they retain the word of God. And then so when they pray, when they pray and seek God for what God wants for themselves and the congregation, because of prayerfully reading and retaining the word of God, God can give you direction on what you need to do. But if we're not reading and praying over the word of God, then we can't get direction for what God wants for us. The spirit will speak to you through scripture. And the spirit will make intercession for you. It would be best to ask the following when seeking to know God's will. Am I first obeying and applying the revealed will of God. So before you go to God for something deep, before you go to God in seeking some answers from God, the first thing you want to ask yourself is, am I obeying what I already know? I will venture to say 
most of the times when things are happening in our life and we're not doing what we know we're supposed to do, which is prayerfully seek God, the reason why we're not doing that is because we know we have not been doing what we already know how to do. Here is what I'm telling you. Sometimes you don't need to go to anybody for any answers. Sometimes what's happening is things are happening and God wants to tell you what's going on, but you need to stop and say, God, maybe I did not receive from you what I needed to receive because I'm not doing the things I know I'm supposed to do. So God, I repent of my sins. God, I say, will you forgive me of my sins because I know I have not done this right. I have not done that right. And I need to start doing this. And so God, while I need an answer for what I'm dealing with, I will leave that on the back burner and I'm going to try to deal with these things on the front burner which are the things I'm supposed to do that I'm not doing I will start doing them will you be gracious enough God will you be merciful enough that as I work on the things that I have neglected will you hold on and hold back while I'm trying to make that real hard decision that's how we approach it And you won't need anybody because when you do that, God will direct you. God will reveal to you what he wants. Because the way how this thing works is it just keeps coming back to, can I trust you to do what I'm going to tell you to do? And if you're not doing the little things that I've already told you to do, how can I tell you big things to do? Because you are not trustworthy. I told you that God revealed to me why Mary was the one, that Mary that we read about, that was chosen to to give birth to the Messiah. Because there had to be thousands, hundreds of, of, of virgin girls that he could have came by, but he, but he chose that Mary. And I told you, I feel like that Mary was chosen because he knew for sure she will be obedient and submitted to the will of God being done in her life. There are many of us that God can use to do things, but he would have to be chasing us saying, can you come back here and do what I tell you to do? Can you make sure you go and be responsible? So he just determined, why would I chase you to get my will done? I'm going to choose someone that I know no matter what, they will be on the spot. They will do what they need to do. And so that's what God is looking for when he reveals his will. Other than what's in the book. This is crucial. This is a crucial question because we are sometimes more interested in the unknown will of God regarding a move to Boston or a career choice than in the known will of God written in Scripture. Sometimes we get so, we allow our flesh to control so much about our life. And as Christians, the Word of God and the Spirit of God shall, should dictate most of what goes on in our life. Not our flesh, not our emotions, not our feelings. The Word of God and the Spirit of God should dictate most of what goes on in our life. But it's easy for us to say, you know, I got this job opportunity in Boston. Or, you know, I got this great career that is being offered. And now, will you pray with me so I can see what God's will is? Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, we, we, we do that a lot, it seems like. But a lot of times we're just not interested in knowing the will of God because we believe the will of God will keep us back from what our will is. Because when God say, here is my will, we decide, well, that's not what I want. So guess what? The best way to go about it is, I don't want to know the will of God. Because if I don't know it, then I don't have to worry about it. Let me do my will. And so many of us are living for God. Well, say we're living for God, but we're not interested in God's will. We're interested in our will. But then we come to a Bible study meeting like this and we hear this and, and we get convicted that I, ne- I need to really know the will of God. I really need to do the will of God. And so we're in a conundrum doing our will instead of God's will. And then when you hear this, this kind of teaching, you hope that you will start to do God's will and put your will on the back burner. It is sometimes more satisfying to the flesh to look for God's through events than it is to look for God's will in the Gospel of Matthew or in the book of Amos. We would rather look through events for the will of God. Got a text this week. Is this kind of like what the Bible talk about? This coronavirus thing. You let coronavirus get your attention about the things of God. Events. And there's so much about God's will that's plain as day in the Bible and that never gets your attention. That's a fact right there. Many people are pondering what this coronavirus is all about and how does it relate to Scripture. Many people are pondering that. But nobody has stopped to say, man, I don't even pray. Nobody has stopped to say, I haven't surrendered my life to Christ. But they want to know the meaning of Corona relating to Scripture. You see how we are? Let me know the meaning. Where that relates to prophecy. And they're not saved. Tell me how that works. I want to know the real meaning, God, behind Corona. But you're not saved. It makes no sense. But that's how we operate. Perhaps the flesh prefers the vagueness of knowing God's will because there is a part of us that would rather not know God's will at all. A part of us that would rather God mind his own business and stay out of our affairs, and bless us in our disobedience. What about the sincere person who is choosing between jobs and want to know what God has to say? You have a couple job opportunities out there, and you are sincere, and you want to know which opportunity will be best for you. Do you think... There are times when we do not really want to know God's will. We're asking it. And maybe we're asking about the job because we want to take the job that pays better. Or the job that gives us more prestige. 
And so that's the only reason why we're going. We're, they, we're, we're asking the question. It's not because it is important to know because we want to know the will of God. The known will of God, again, God's known will is to be consulted first and foremost, which means consulting God's word prayerfully. So here is what I'm really saying. If we would first get into the word of God and start obeying the word of God, these, these, these things that come up, job opportunities, uh, just, just, just situations, should we move to this place or that place? When those things come up, it will be so easy to know the will of God if we were doing what we already know the will of God is. Should I, Change job. Should I? Man, I'm living testimony of that. You know how many times I'm tempted to go and talk to my connections on different um, opportunities to get a different job that pay me more money? Man, I can't tell you. Different job that, that you know, just work better for me? And I won't because I've come to understand that where I am is where God wants me. And I can't worry about getting paid more money. I can't worry about anything else. I just got to be where he wants me to be. Mm-hmm. First Thessalonians 4, verse 3 through 7 in the ESV version. This is what it says. For this is the will of God. See, I start out. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, which says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, and verse 32 through 36. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but recall the former days when you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, for you have need of endurance." So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. These are just three examples where the will of God is clearly expressed and addressed directly to us. And the Bible is full of similarly clear directives. How are you doing at giving thanks in all circumstances? 
When anything happens around you, how do you give thanks? Or do you get upset? Or do you start murmuring? Or do you start complaining? Or do you start blaming? When things happen around you, whether you think they're good or bad, do you just give thanks? Because you know, I am a child of God, and this must be the will of God for my life. No, we don't. Then stop worrying about the deep things. Because that's a simple one right there. It's giving thanks to God for every circumstance that occurs in our life. That is the will of God. And if we don't joyfully give thanks, then we don't need to know about the deep things. This is the will of God for you. How is your sanctification going? Are you abstaining from all forms of sexual impurities and committing your body to holiness? Are we holy for this? is the will of God. This is the will of God for you. Are you holding the confession of the faith as steadily as ever? Are you assembling yourselves with fellow Christians regularly and frequently like we are now? Do you have compassion for the downtrodden? Do you refuse to despair or be anxious over worldly possession? For this, is the will of God for you? Those are things that are simple. And the question is, have we done those things? Embraced those things? Have we, are we doing those things? Because those things are the will of God. So we want to know the deep things, but are we holy? We want to know the deep things. Are we loving one another? We want to know the deep things. Are we, are, are we coming together and, 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 and assembling ourselves together as the Bible says we must do? We want to know all these things and saying, God, what is your will for my life? And God is saying, I got so many things written in my word that is the will of God for you. And you're not doing those. And that's why a lot of times people are praying and seeking God to know what God's will is for their life. And they never get an answer. And they want to know why I can't hear from God concerning his will for my life. And if God could just scream out loud, he would say, how many will of God? in the scripture have I given you and you still haven't done them I've been in church for a little bit and one of the most frequently asked questions is I want to know what the will of God is for my life and most of the times people are really saying I want to know if I'm going to be a missionary I want to know if I'm going to be a pastor. I want to know if I'm going to be a pastor's wife. I want to know if I am going to be this and I'm going to be. That's really what you're asking. And God is saying, why are you worrying about that? Because you will never be able to do that real good if you don't start doing the little things. (laughs) God has given us in the written word. His will, but we're having a hard time doing those little things. And so we will never get to the heavy things, the deep things, the, 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 the things that, 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 that we probably wanted to do deep down inside. What are some obvious things God wants you to do? How are you doing in living up to those little obvious things that God wants you to do? These attitudes, And habits are all major internal projects 
requiring extreme attention and devotion. These are must and every bit as binding upon you as working to support yourself and your family. So here is what I'm saying here. Maybe in the past seven years, we've heard a lot of people talk about family. It's important. Family is important. And I know what is going on. Years ago, our focus was not really family. Our focus was church. I'm talking about broad, overall, years ago. So let's say 20 to 30 years ago, our focus was church. All people wanted to do was go to church. All people talked about was their church. All people talked about was their pastor. That's what they did. And so, as times began to change, pastor began to change, our world we live in began to change, we became more educated, we have more knowledge. Church, our pastor, wasn't that as, 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 as important to us? As we used to make it. And so now we started saying, well, my family is the most important thing to me. Well, your family was supposed to be the most important thing 30 years ago. But maybe because you weren't educated or you didn't have a family per se, it didn't matter to you. And so now that you have become clear in your in, 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 in things you understand now. More educated. Now all of a sudden, my family is more important. Church, this is not popular what I'm about to say, but I got to say it. Your family ain't more important than Jesus. Because... 20 to 30 years ago, we chased the church and the pastor, which that was wrong, and we didn't chase Jesus. We're trying to overcompensate now for what we did wrong 20 to 30 years ago. We don't even realize it. We was chasing the church. We was chasing, this is where I belong and all. That's what we were running after. We didn't realize it. But even that was wrong because we were supposed to be chasing Jesus. But if we wanted to be truthful to ourselves, we were really chasing the activity of the church. We were chasing the popularity of the church. We were chasing our, 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 uh, popularity in the church or our ministry in the church or our position in the church or look at our church. That's what we were doing. Churches all across the world was doing it. Look at where we go to church. Look at our church. We the most popular church. That's what we were changing. And we were wrong. And so today, and a few years ago, we started saying, my family is important and I have to do this and do that. Well, what we've done 
is go to the opposite extreme. Because that's how we do as people. I'm into sports. And if a, a sporting team had a coach that's, that was a disciplinary coach, when they fired him, they got a coach that was a player's coach. So us as people, our behavior is always going to the opposite end of the spectrum. So if we, if we messed up by running crazy after church and we realized that wasn't right, we were supposed to be running after Jesus, it doesn't mean we're going to run after family. It means, no, correct it, run after Jesus. Jesus will teach you how to be family. See, somehow we think that we can't do the will of God, which is to get a bona fide relationship with him, which is salvation in Christ, and still have a close-knit, loving family together. Somehow we think the two don't go together. If I'm going to be close to Jesus, that means I'm not going to be close with my family. That's kind of what we're saying without saying it. And that's not true. That's not true. So we don't realize that we're allowing what we would call the essentials of life, job, our home our finance, to be more important than the will of God in our life. And it should never be. Give no thought on what you may eat or what you may drink or what you may wear. For your heavenly Father know what you have need of. We don't want to believe that. God knows what we have need of. And if we seek God for his will for our life, he's not going to make us walk naked. He's not going to let us walk around broke. He's not going to let us walk around hungry. He's not going to let us walk around without a roof over our head. We just got to do his will and everything else will fall in place. But somehow we think there's, it's not possible. We think doing God's will get into the way of our personal things. Not true, church. Not true. We have to hold ourselves accountable. But we're not doing that. We're making excuses as to why we're not doing the will of God. Uh Uh-huh. It will take time. But do you really want to know the will of God? It is near you, even in your heart. See to the word of God first. Mm -hmm. Why seek to ascertain the unknown and far away when the unexplored and untried known is at your fingertips? I won't explain that to you. I'll let you ponder that one. One may ask how taking care of these issues, as the scripture mentioned, can possibly help the young man or woman which job to take or where to move. First consider this. What good is it to be an expert on the job but a novice regarding your soul? What good is it to be an expert on your job but a novice regarding your soul. 
And that's what we're really saying when we say, you know, try to see the will of God for this job. Try to figure out the will of God, you know, for my family and all of this stuff. And we're just playing on our own intelligence. Here we are dealing with priorities, priorities that get neglected and often relegated to retirement or later while we focus on the really important task of adulthood. This cannot be overstated. If you obey the clear and known word and will of God, learning true and constant gratitude, holiness of mind and body, the habit of confessing your faith, maintaining it privately and publicly no matter what, assembling in joy and reverence with the faithful, having compassion on the troubled, and cleansing the heart of those things that tend to possess the heart. If you will see to these, I am certain as I can be that the job situation, the move, and so on will take care of themselves. If you do the will of God that we read, the moving where I should move to will take care of itself. The job that I should go will take care of itself. Listen, you know my testimony. And I should be on the sidewalk without a job right now. But I kept doing the will of God. And by keep doing the will of God, he see to it that things work out. Whether you go to Boston or Orlando or work in construction or in banking, these are secondary. Somebody say secondary. When compared with whether or not you are able to give thanks in all circumstances, maintain a habit of holiness, and confess your faith in the face of temptation. The spirit-filled soul obeys the spirit, and the spirit's voice is the voice of the scripture. I'll say that again. The spirit-filled soul obeys the spirit. And the Spirit's voice is the voice of Scripture. The life informed by the Spirit cannot help but make the right decision. When your life is informed by the... It's like me standing here tonight and saying to you, God has not given us a spirit of fear. While the coronavirus is going crazy, we cannot walk around here fearful. I know some people might sit back and say, you don't understand... You can say what you want, but I'm going to die confessing and trying my best to obey the scripture because that's what's right and my emotions and my feelings is not always right. I can't rest my, 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 my destiny in my emotions and my feelings. My destiny is in the word of God. You will take the spirit-led soul into every interview for a job, every relationship, and every financial decision. You will take yourself, and if you're full of the spirit, and the spirit of God is working in you, and if you're full of the word of God, whatever you do, you take that with you, so you got to prosper. 
in every financial decision. If you know scripture, you know the will of God for your life. At times, the known will of God will reject certain options. The job that keeps you from faithfully assembling or the relationship that moves you away from holiness, you will know easily that can't be the will of God. Listen, we don't like to hear this, but this is a fact, because I did the opposite. If you get a job, and you are coming to church three times a week, and the job you get, you only can come to church one time a week, and sometimes no time a week, and it's paying you double what you're making right now. It's not the will of God. You don't understand, preacher. I hear you. I quit my job, my three jobs, and took one job. So I know what I'm talking about. I, I, I scaled down when it came down to jobs and pay so I can do the will of God. And I watch that. So don't tell me that I don't understand when I say... You don't want to take a job, no matter how much is paying you, that's going to cause you to not be able to assemble together with the believers. Good decisions will beget good decisions. And blessings will beget blessings. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can discern the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We know that's Romans 12 and 2. And so we finish tonight where we started. Joshua 1, we'll read verse 8 one more time. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. I love this. It says the, 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 the book of this law, the, the word of God, the laws of God shall not, shall not depart out of your mouth, but Thou, you, me, shall meditate therein day and night. Listen to me. Read your Bible and write down some things. I'm not sure what I'm preaching Sunday yet because I've been meditating on a few things. And I say, God, when you give me the nod and what you want me to preach, that's what I'll preach. But I read so much, I started just meditating on so much. And when you read the word of God and something jump out at you, write it down and meditate on it. It says, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For thou, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Look how clear this is. It says that if you observe to do according to the word of God, God's word, if you will do, it says that thou mayest observe to do according. To all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. You don't have to pray for prosperity. Live out the word of God and you will be prosperous. All the preachers want to preach how God's going to bless you. That's not good preaching. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm just trying to tell you what the scripture said. This say that if you obey the word of God, then your way shall be prosperous and thou shall have good success. Huh. After Moses died and it was time to conquer Canaan, 
the Lord pulled Moses' lieutenant, Joshua, aside and prepared him for leadership and military triumph by spending over three months teaching him the art and the skill of war. No, that's not what the scripture said. <laughs> After Moses died and it was time to conquer Canaan, the Lord pulled Moses' lieutenant, Joshua, aside and prepared him for leadership and military triumph by spending only a week teaching him the art, of, the, the art and skill of war. It, doesn't, it, it didn't say that. What does the first chapter of Joshua Verse 8 says, after Moses died and it was time to conquer Canaan, the Lord pulled Moses' lieutenant Joshua aside and prepared him for leadership and military triumph by saying, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then your will for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God's last word in this training session were, Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's Joshua 1 and 9. Church, when we do the will of God, God don't have any other choice but to work with you and to do what he said he will do. All we need to do is obey God and do what he says, and he got to show up and do what needs to be done. Wherever is a big word, almost a blank check when God said, wherever you go. So wherever we go, as long as we obey God, wherever we go, as long as we obey God, we got a blank check. But anyone who goes continually to the word of God, which as Joshua's mentor Moses taught him, is always nearby, even in the believer's mouth, and meditates night and day on that word, is always going to end up in the company of God. So Joshua knew the will of God because he knew the word of God. And most of the time, the enormous history shaping decisions he made were blessed. He knew the word of God so ultimate or intimately, so intimately that he once looked up to the sky during a battle and noticing something wasn't right, informed the son that it was out of the will of God. Remember the battle Joshua was in and he said, the sun was going down, and if the sun would have went down, he, they would have lost. Joshua said, sun, stand still. He could have only talked to the sun for it to stand still because he knew the will of God. What was the will of God? That we not lose this battle. And come what may, we will not lose this battle. So if i got to tell the sun to stand still, it got to stand still. Because I know God said, we will win this fight. We will be victorious. We will prosper so I can tell everything uh, that's trying to stop me from being prosperous. I can tell it to uh, stand still. Uh, you stay out of the way uh, because God says I will be prosperous. Uh, because God says uh, I will be victorious. That's how you can talk to stuff. 
So talk to that disease. Talk to that sickness and say, sickness, I command you to come out of my body in the name of Jesus. Disease, I command you to stay far from me in the name of Jesus. Why? Because God has called me to seek and to save the lost. God has called me to be a weapon in his hand. God has called me to be the way that will lead you to salvation. God has called me to sound the trumpet, to say Jesus is coming back to say Jesus is Lord and anything that tried to prevent me or you from doing that we need to curse it we need to tell it stand still we need to tell it you had no power over me because God has called you to do some amazing things and anything now you know anything try to stop you from doing the will of God curse it because the bottom line is God's will God's plan is the most important thing in this earth and just like God will not put up with anyone or anything trying to stop his plan because we are his people we can speak like him concerning his plan Mm -hmm. this is why remember the apostle Paul Remember that shipwreck he suffered, right? Remember when he was on the ship and the storm was just tearing that ship apart and everybody got nervous. And Paul said, no person will die on this ship because God had told him he was going to Rome. And he knew he had a mission of God to fulfill and to complete and he was not finished. So he knew that God already promised victory. So when you know God already promised you certain things and something is threatening that, that's when you get big and bold and raise up in the power and the spirit in the name of Jesus and begin to command things because you know uh, you're trying to interfere with what God has promised me. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. The authority of God's word, his instructions of his word, is what we're talking about tonight. And so I finish by saying thoughts on the will of God. To know God's will is a great treasure. To do God's will is a great privilege. It isn't what we don't understand in scripture that bothers us. It is what we full understand but fail to do that plagues us. The will of God is not location, but rather what you are doing where you are. (laughs) The will of God is not location. Some people think maybe if I change church, maybe if I go to another congregation, God's will will be done. And God is saying, my will is not location. (laughs) If I called you to do something and you weren't doing it over there, what makes you think you're going to do it over here? (laughs) My will is what you're doing where you are. The will of God is not a sense of direction, but a dimension of living and dying in Christ. The will of God is specific relationship with and to Jesus Christ. 
doors of service open to meet your needs of development. The will of God is stretching you to your maximum in the areas of your life he is presenting or presently working on. The will of God is your sanctification, completion of his plan of salvation in your life on a daily basis. Every day we got to look at our life and say, am I living a saved life? The will of God is God using you to accomplish his purpose, reaching the lost world. The word of God, the authority of it, it's instructions. We got to know that God's word is instructing us and we got to take that instruction and do something with it. So all the simple little things that we have overlooked and we're seeking to know deep things, God is trying to get us to understand. Don't frustrate yourself by looking for deep things in the scripture. Start doing the little things that is the will of God. Father, in the precious, precious name of Jesus, we thank you for this privilege to gather together in your name, for coming together, Lord God, and just looking into the word of God. Lord Jesus, I, I know that, Lord, you have deposited, you have imparted to us what you will have us to know and what you will have us to do. Now, Lord, I pray that we will take what you have given to us and we will begin to do them. Huh. Oh, God, that the will of God we will do, that the will of God we will exercise, the will of God we will execute. I pray, almighty God, that you, oh God, will move on your people in such a special way that they will be full of the Holy Ghost and power, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost and fire. Lord, I pray that you will use us to burn up all ungodliness, use us to burn up all unrighteousness, use us to burn up everything that is an obstacle for the will of God to be done. Father, I pray that there will be a special anointing that you will place upon each and every person in this church to do thine will in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord God, for divine protection. I pray, Lord God, for divine protection. I pray, Lord God, for divine healing upon this people and upon our society. Oh God, will you show your strong among this world. I know, Lord God, that you've shown them many times who you are and what you can do, and they've ignored it, and they've rejected it, but God, as your child, I stand in awe and stand, Lord God, in a place of sonship, and I ask, Almighty God, that you, Lord God, will use us individually and collectively to show the strong hand of God, to show the mighty works of God, to proclaim and to speak by the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that there will be something magnificently, something powerfully that will take place, Lord God, in this community and the nearby communities and throughout this nation where people will turn to see who the Lord is.
years uh, where people will turn uh, and see the salvation of the Lord, uh, where people will turn uh, and be able to say, uh, oh, I'm on the Lord's side, uh, where people will turn uh, and know that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, He is God of all, uh, and He's one, uh, and He's our healer, and He's our Savior, and He's our deliverer, who can show yourself strong, uh, and they will turn uh, and see the glory of the Lord, the salvation of the Lord, the power of the Lord. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Will somebody give the Lord some praise? God is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we bless your name. God bless you. God bless you. Have a wonderful